Hello and welcome to Dog Logical. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes from R Plus Dogs, and I'm a training and behavior specialist. Here at the Dog Logical podcast, I aim to get your dog training questions answered. And I hope that this gives you insight into what your dog might be thinking, as well as excellent tips on how to have the best relationship possible with your dog. If you would like to know more about me or work with me, you can find me at rplusdogs.com. Now let's get this podcast started. Hi guys, we have Taylor from Bindi's Bucket List with us today on the podcast. Taylor, would you like to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you do and um, your kind of history? No problem. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Taylor and I run all the Benny's Bucket List platforms. A little bit about us, if you don't know who we are, um, we have two rescue dogs, Bindi and Rosie. They were both rescued in 2019. Everyone thought we were a little bit crazy getting a second dog just about less than a year, probably seven months after we adopted Bindi. Um, But it ended up being a match made in heaven for us. And what began kind of just as a love of all things dog, it really branched into an enrichment platform and also just a platform where we share what it's like to own dogs. So essentially uh, we run our Instagram, TikTok. I have a blog as well. And we talk about enrichment, what it's like day-to-day living with canines, uh, just your standard kind of stuff like that. We've been super lucky. Um, I also work as an admin in the canine enrichment group on Facebook. It's totally an awesome group. So if you're ever looking for ideas or help, please go look at this group. It's amazing. And I also have been super, super lucky with working with a few well-known enrichment brands such as Kong, Soda Pop, Westpaw, which are all amazing brands. They have amazing people behind the companies as well. So a lot of my spare time um, goes into enrichment and all things dog, which is a, a big passion of mine. And we recently actually did a webinar on canine enrichment where 100% of the proceeds went to dogs in need. So we do kind of things like this, but while enrichment is our niche, we like to basically cover it all. <laughs> so thank you so much for having us. No, definitely. So just tell us a little bit about your girls. So they are so different. (laughs) I can't even stress this enough. When we got Bindi, we always joked that she was like an elderly dog in puppy clothing because she's very (laughs) calm. (laughs) She's just, she's a big people pleaser. So she was very easy to train and she was very, she loves to learn tricks because she just wants to please everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, whereas Rosie is kind of like our little cannonball who likes to march to the beat of her own drum and she's sassy and she gets into everything and they're just both hilarious, but they complement each other very well. And they definitely make our house a home. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's so interesting, right? Because I think sometimes we get dogs and we, or if we have one dog and then we add another dog in, we just think, oh, they're just going to like be the best of friends and they're going to be just like each other and the dog's a dog, right? And I don't know any anyone who has multiple dogs where they just, they they come to that conclusion because each dog is such an individual that you just never really know, even between siblings, like within a litter, you can have so many different personalities 
and it oh, just blows sure. people's minds. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's so true. And I think sometimes that's a mistake we make. We're going, oh my gosh, my first dog was so easy. My second dog's going to be the exact same. And well, we knew they would be different. I was like thrown for a loop when we added Rosie because she was like, just responded the polar opposite to any way that Bindi would because Bindi's kind of docile like she's just very chill and Rosie can be now but as a puppy she was like a little tornado so she <laughs> like really gave us a run for our money because we were just so used to having Bindi who was like this very calm easy puppy and then we got our what we call puppy puppy <laughs> <laughs> and when you um what kind of sparred you to add another dog were you just in the right kind of frame of mind or did you think that maybe Bindi wanted a little playmate so everyone thought we were crazy I don't um think they were wrong <laughs> so we obviously when we got Bindi we were just like head over heels she just absolutely changed our lives we've always had dogs um my partner Joe and I have always had rescue dogs since we were kids so when we were in the right place in our life we decided okay now's the time we're gonna add a dog and um she was just did everything with us uh, went camping to the cottage road trips um honestly just everywhere and we just were like maybe we should add a second like maybe we should just get this over with in one go <laughs> just like the crazy puppy stages and then we know she has someone um another dog as a companion and we it was a big thought process behind it because obviously we wanted to be um financially prepared physically prepared mentally prepared mm -hmm. and um when that happened when we ended up adopting Rosie she did throw us for a loop but luckily everything worked out really really well but she's one of the reasons I always tell people you really, really need to think about when you add a second dog because Rosie had um, unknown health issues when she arrived. So that was a crazy time. But that being said, it did all work out in the end, luckily. But obviously, in certain cases, it doesn't. We were just very lucky. Yeah. And so I had a little look, of course, um, on your on your social media and um, Bindi didn't have the great greatest start, did she? No, so Bindi actually, um, she was adopted through Help Pods, which is a organization that is run uh, mostly by women out of Toronto, but they save um, dogs in St. Lucia. So in St. Lucia, there um, are little to no shelters essentially. So when a dog is sick or in need, basically they just get put down. There's really nowhere for them to go. It's different from here where we're very lucky. We have amazing foster programs. We have um, the SPCA, lots of great organizations here. Um, but there was this little dog we saw who was found in a ditch with a broken back leg. And I, I just couldn't stop thinking about her because all I could think about was like, where is she gonna go, right? So I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> And I remember talking to Joe and saying, there's no one that has even applied for this dog. Like no one will apply for her. Like I'm going to apply for her tonight. <laughs> and then the rest is history. And that's how we got Bindi. And at first we didn't know if there would be any issues with her back leg. Luckily there never has been, it's never slowed her down. Um, but yeah, that's how we came to find Bindi essentially in our lives through a little picture online. And Rosie is from the same rescue and while she had a little bit different circumstances, she had siblings that we know about, but she was surrendered in a box of sick puppies as well. 
Mm. It breaks your heart when you see, uh, you know, like Nero had a very similar kind of story. He was he was birthed to a mother who the the gentleman he didn't um, he had Alzheimer's, so he didn't even really know that the the dog was pregnant. And the people who Aww. would come to look after him, they didn't know that the dog was pregnant either. And then one day they just came over and they heard this these like squeals and stuff and. They followed it to the the kitchen, and here he was with his six other siblings underneath the sink, and Aww. we were just like, what? what happened? They had no idea. Nobody had any. Of course, the the man unfortunately had no idea, and thank goodness that they actually found them. But I just, when it comes to puppies, I just think you know you can I can kind of rationalize why somebody would give up maybe an adolescent dog or an adult dog, but a puppy is. It, I mean, you're just kind of, you're just starting out in your relationship. And when we see puppies who have gone through abuse or neglect, or it just, uh, it, I think that's probably the, the thing that affects me the most. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons I was drawn to this rescue, especially because Joe and I, like I said, we've always had rescue dogs growing up. And previous to this, I was like, I would I just had never thought about um, adopting a dog in another country. But the great thing about Help Paws is that they do a lot of um, community work. So they do community work with spay and neuter programs. So they try and spay and neuter as many um, dogs as they can in the neighborhoods to try and keep the overpopulation down as well. Mm. And what they're doing is essentially like they are adopting out purely puppies because there are so many that are in need or are sick or are injured. And with COVID, it's been a bit different, obviously, because they can't take on as many because usually they have volunteers, but obviously with the lack of flights and traveling right now, that's a bit limited. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was like a totally new scenario for us in the adoption process, but it was one of the best decisions we definitely ever made. And especially not knowing what would have happened if we didn't. So we're very glad that they are in our care now. So we're yeah. very, very grateful for that. <laughs> like they're mine now. I know what's going on with them. I can give them the best <laughs> life possible. I think sometimes we feel compelled you know, when, when we've seen what our dogs have gone through, or when we know what our dogs have gone through previously, we feel even more compelled to give them that really amazing life. Absolutely. And I think too, Joe and I say it all the time. I'll be like, oh my gosh, do you think they're happy? And he'll be like, Taylor, they were found in a ditch. They're doing just fine. <laughs> I say the same thing all the time. I, I often worry. And yeah, Scott is the same with me. He'll sometimes be like these dogs literally live the best life like you know they, and then he'll tell me things like Nero literally lays on his ottoman and gets hand-fed steak and like he just you know <laughs> what dogs would wouldn't love I mean they have everything they need and more and I'm like but are they happy Scott <laughs> I know it's it's the it's the question we're all dying to know right <laughs> yeah no, or do that, you know, do you, do you think they really, really appreciate me as their mom? <laughs> like, yes. no. <laughs> yes, so true. It's the, it's the one question we all wish we could ask them and we all wish that they could answer us and tell us, but I know it's such those kind of things. You just wish they could tell you how they felt. Yeah. I think I'd probably annoy a Nero, especially, I think like him would be like, yes, I love you. Yes. I love you. But I think Nero would be like, 
Yes, for the millionth time today. <laughs> I love Leave you. Leave me alone. Because <laughs> I can't help it. Like, I don't disturb him, but I'll, you know, I'll just quietly say as I pass him, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so how did you get your, your start in enrichment? Was it, you know, from having Bindi and, and things, or did you do stuff with your, your previous dogs? So it honestly is kind of, it was like a snowball effect, I want to say. So I've talked about it before where when we got Bindi, we wanted to crate train, um, especially she was so timid. Her crate has always been like her safe space. She goes in it all the time. Like if she's ever not feeling well or she's tired, like that is like the place that she will go. And um, when we were starting out with crate training, I always like to use a stuffed Kong just for some positive reinforcement with the crate. And, but Bindi was funny. She wasn't like the biggest lover of peanut butter. I swear she's like a weird dog that way. Yeah. So I had begun looking, <laughs> yeah, right? The only dog I swear. And um, I had begun looking for other options I could use because I was like, well, I want this to be high value, high reward for her because I obviously want her to have a good relationship with the crate. Um, so I was looking for other options and at the time there really wasn't anything like there was a few things on the Kong website, but it really hasn't at the time it really wasn't that large whereas now it's kind of blown up you can find lots of resources which is amazing. Yeah, and it started as one Kong planing photo there's always this joke I love to host my friends and have my friends over and I always would do like charcuterie boards. And I jokingly posted like a Kong charcuterie on my page and it just, for whatever reason, just like went viral overnight and I could not believe it. And um, I found that so many other people were just like me trying to find other healthy options for stuff like enrichment stuffing. And that evolved into, like I said, I help admin with the canine enrichment group on Facebook. And there are just so many different things that we can incorporate into our dog's routines. And I found myself like staying up late into the night, trying to find options for people because people <laughs> would be messaging me and they would be like, well, what can I use for this kind of dog? Or my dog has this um, issue. Like, what can I do instead of this? And I found myself wanting to know, like, I really wanted to know, okay, let's find you something. Let's find you any kind of solution that we can. And so that began kind of taking over my life a little bit <laughs> you don't because say. I was so great. It was like, well, I was so interested by it and um, I'm a University of Guelph graduate and research was like a huge part of my undergrad. And so I was just like diving into all the stuff and the science behind it and the benefits of it was just like something I was like, every every dog owner needs to know this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, especially because it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive and it's so easy to incorporate, but I feel like so many people have no idea. Yeah. Um, so that kind of was the foothold to what started everything. And a big thing for enrichment for me is making it accessible because with enrichment toys and certain enrichment games, they can be expensive, but I want to make enrichment something that is viable for every household, every person, wherever you may be. Um, so that's something I strive to do. While I love to highlight certain toys and brands, I also love to do DIY ideas or simple rotations you can do at home just with items in your house. So 
we love to feature new stuff like that. And I'm always looking for something new. So when I find something new, it really, really excites me <laughs> to yeah. say the least. But I think it's that, you know, with, especially with clients who are new to enrichment, I just try to get them to get them a couple staples. So get them, you know, some con classics and then try to engage them to create things because if they, some people take off and they're just like, yeah, I have this and I'm making this with it. And they're so excited to show me. And then other people I'm like, you know, have you been, have you been bumping up enrichment? Have you been introducing enrichment? And some people really struggle. So to have both kind of aspects for people where they can use that creative, you know, flair, but also where you can just go, oh my God, I'm so tired. You know, here's a, here's a Kong with the, some stuff in it. Yeah. I think you do need to have those, those two, because equally they're, they're so important. Exactly. And I think I love how it's really taking off now. Like you're seeing so many other um, great accounts or people feeling inspired that want to share what they're doing. So the fact that it's becoming more mainstream makes me beyond happy because you see all these happy dogs and in turn, you see the happy owners because with enrichment games, there's so many things that you can do and providing these outlets for our dogs just makes their lives better because they have these games and activities to essentially use their energy on. So in turn, we're getting better behaved dogs when it's done correctly. And it just makes everyone happier. And I think there's nothing wrong with having a happy owner and a happy dog all under the same roof. <laughs> yeah. And especially I think for things like confidence building activities and independent activities, the, the enrichment provides that ability to say, you know, here is something that you can do on your own. So I don't need to, it's good to have that social aspect. But I think some people feel compelled that they need to keep their dog constantly with them or constantly occupied with playing with them. And then, you know, it's like my dog always wants to play or my dog is starting to kind of, you know, seek my attention. And if I don't give my attention, then he might start to lash out a little bit. And it's they, so they create their own kind of monster where it's like, give them something, give them something to do. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Let those brains work. And yeah, exactly. And that's the, one of the great things about enrichment as well is it can be so tailored, right? It mm. can be so like down to everything you do can be modified for your dog as an individual. And that's another great thing about enrichment is it doesn't always have to be point A to point B. It can be, for example, like if a dog is extremely nervous, there's things that you can do with enrichment games to, like you said, build confidence or set them up for success in a game or activity that can help bridge, bridge that gap with enrichment. So that's another great thing about it. It's very fluid and no two dogs, maybe their enrichment routines just won't look anything alike. And that's totally okay too. Yeah, no, it definitely is an individual base. I think we have staples that we we can use, but the way that we oh, use yeah. those, it could be totally different. Like I said in, um, to, to Beth, when she was on from Enriching Paws, you know, Nero does not like destroying things. He does not find that enriching. He, you know, he can become a little bit nervous. Like, you know, I, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, ever been told off for it or anything like that, but it's just not, it's not fun to him. So I offer it and I offer it, you know, again, occasionally to see, have you, have you changed your mind? Are you in one of those moods? But on the opposite, Lycan, he lives to destroy. And like, yeah. if, if I gave that to Nero and I didn't have any, you know, idea if I just, you know, gave him a, 
I don't know, an egg carton or something, and he didn't destroy it, I could easily say, well, my dog doesn't like enrichment because I gave him something and he didn't want to do that. Where it's like, exactly find, you know, what your dog is into. Just, it's not rocket science. Just do more of that. Exactly. And that's such a great, great topic to bring up because that's a, that's a question I get often. Well, my dog doesn't like this, or I don't know how to get my dog engaged with this. And I think that's a very important thing we always have to keep in the back of our minds is, are we trying to get them to do this because we want to, or are we trying to get them to do it because we think they might enjoy it? And it's no, and it's no one's fault, right? We all just want to try these new things and see what they like. And sometimes we maybe put a lot of effort into something. And when our dog doesn't necessarily go crazy for it, we go, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) I put my heart and soul into this and you're looking at me like I'm crazy. And, uh, but that's okay. Just like people, dogs are all individuals and a dog might go crazier for a flirt pole, for example, than something food motivated like a Kong. Yeah. And it's just important to know your dog is an individual and never stop trying. You'll always find something new and you're bound to find something if you keep um, adding new things into the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is enrichment involves, it, it doesn't just stay stagnant. And, and that's the other topic I think is really important is people push too much too soon. Like they make it, you know, the classic is the peanut butter and the Kong. And yeah. that's the thing I get all the time is, you know, I, I whacked a bit of peanut butter in there and I, you know, the dog ate some of it and then gave up. And it's like, but the dog's tongue is only so long and the yeah. tongue is this long. Like, you know, that if you can't get something out yourself, or if it's too complicated for you to remove that item, how do you expect your, your dog to do that? And it's, I don't know how the association between peanut butter and, and Kongs happened. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> no, <laughs> everyone's go-to is like, I stuffed it with peanut butter and then it rolled under the couch. I forgot about it. It went moldy. The dog didn't want it. Or, you know, I don't want to deal with that anymore. And it's like, what made you decide peanut butter? <laughs> I know it's like one of those things that when you think Kong, you think peanut butter. And yeah. I think what you said about dogs not being able to reach and everything that is so important as well. And I always try to promote, like when you're giving your dog a new activity, start at the bare bones, start at the basics mm. because just, just like individuals, sometimes we might not get things right away. And I think people get super excited. It's to no fault of their own. They get so excited and they want to like freeze the Kong right away and give it to their dog. And sometimes the dog will look at you like, what is this? And it's just because some dogs need a little bit of teaching, right? So I always recommend like, if you have a dog that doesn't seem to understand Kong, start with loose rolling treats that they can easily obtain through active play so that they understand, oh, this little beehive, I get good stuff when I play with it, right? (laughs) Stuff like that. It's like the bare basics. I know it. And sometimes it sounds silly because it's like, well, this is so easy, but not for all dogs. So many dogs need that basic introduction and need to build their way up. And it's not a bad thing. It's doing it that way can really, really help and it helps set your dog up for success. Yeah. It's just like the, you know, I, sometimes I tell clients about the time that I did Sudoku for the first time. I didn't didn't (laughs) know what I was doing. And I was just like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, how does this even work? And I gave up and I probably have never tried Sudoku since, but (laughs) if I probably read the instructions, it's very typical Renee fashion to be like, I can do this. Um, and then I get overwhelmed, but, um, but if I maybe, you know, maybe looked at how to actually, you know, work 
Sudoku or what it's about or, you know, anything. If I did any kind of small step or maybe a super easy one, you know, I probably would have, maybe it could have been my new favorite thing in life. But for me, that was so aversive that I just went, never doing it again. (laughs) You're like, never again. Have this in my nightmares now. But yeah, I, to- I totally agree. Sometimes, and some dogs get it like problem. They don't need any easy introductions and that's totally cool. Yeah. But that's definitely where I always recommend people start when they're having an issue because usually it's just learning, right? The whole mm. act of learning and starting at the easiest steps. And that can be definitely super beneficial. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's often called the eureka moment. So when you're yeah. trying something, you're trying something and then something happens, the positive, ah, I got it. And then that then pushes you to keep going with that until you're completely kind of satisfied. Ah, that was quite a nice activity or, you know, whatever you were doing those little bits along the way, keep you motivated, keep you coming back. And if dogs don't have that, it, it, you know, what's the point? What's the point of the enrichment? If it's not enriching, it's, it's not a frustration factor. You need to kind of keep your dog motivated, keep them moving along. Exactly. It will work. It's, it's not a fact of, I think people think like, oh, enrichment doesn't work for my dog or my dog doesn't really, every dog likes that to some extent. There's so many different types of enrichment. Your dog is bound to like something. And exactly. if you have tried them all and your dog doesn't like them, message maybe Taylor or I. Come come to us, please. (laughs) Like the classic, like, but I've tried everything. And it's like, everything? Have you tried? And they're like, oh, (laughs) and it's true. And I think sometimes we as owners don't know the correct way to necessarily put something out for our dogs in a way that this can happen right like I feel like sometimes you get you get two kinds of dogs I feel you get the dogs that get everything no questions asked super easy it's very um very evident that they're enjoying the games and that they really really like certain things and then there's the dogs that you can't figure out why they don't like something or they're giving you this weird body language and you're like do you actually like this I really don't know and (laughs) That's okay because as long as you're realizing these cues and trying to modify accordingly, then you're going to eventually find some success, right? And like you said, message us, please. We will help you. (laughs) I mean, I've been doing, I actually was doing enrichment with my dogs before I even knew what enrichment was. Like for some reason, I've always been drawn to like treat balls or food puzzles or, you know, Kong's like, I've been using Kongs for such a long time. And then I think when I first started kind of being aware of it was in zoos. When I went back into university, I actually, that is what I wanted to originally do. Sorry, dogs. I wanted to do, (laughs) I wanted to do species appropriate enrichment in zoos. So I wanted to um, modify enclosures so that it would help be beneficial, you know, to, to zoo animals. And it's awesome. Yeah. And then I realized, what the heck am I kidding? I I love dogs. I just kept coming back to dogs. Um, so a long time ago when I was researching that kind of stuff and, you know, finding stuff, I mean, treat balls, I have a video, I think it's like 10 years old of my, my beagle previously. And the video is just titled Elfie finding her dinner. And it's just a treat ball. And I look back at that now and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> you know, so the Eureka moment. Items. Yeah. But we had those items. We had access to those things, but not like now. Now is like, 
you know, I think even about three years ago when I was speaking to people about enrichment, I'd say, do you know what it is? Have you, you know, do you implement it in your daily kind of structures with your dog? And all the people would say, no, now I say it. And people are like, yeah, that's, you know, and they usually say, oh, I give them a Kong or I you know, like to let them go for a sniffy walk. And it's like, that always warms my heart because I think, yes, like, thank you. It's great. That, it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a great feeling, I think. And that's exactly what I mean with it becoming more mainstream now, which is awesome. Cause I totally agree. Like two and a half years ago when I was looking for this kind of stuff, it was almost impossible to find. Yeah. Um, like obviously there were certain things that you could find, but it wasn't as accessible as it is now where you no. can find it on social platforms, on blogs, like, and it's more than just because the, the stuff on zoos is super cool. I love le- yes. reading about that. And um, like, I know the Toronto Zoo here, they have a whole section of um, enrichment on their website and what they do with all the different animals. So that's super cool if anyone wants to check that out. Um, but as well with dogs now, it's, it's becoming more mainstream to talk about. And I think it's great because these are all easy things we can just do at home. And I think people now, why it's becoming more mainstream is because they also are seeing the differences in their dogs, right? Absolutely. I yes. think to begin, people were like, okay, what is this mumbo jumbo? Like, what is this three <laughs> everybody's talking about? Like, does this actually oh, no, work? Toilet paper rolls? <laughs> I know, right? They're like, my dog is going to destroy everything. And then they do these things and they realize, oh, okay. All right. This is actually working. And my dog really enjoys this. I'm noticing a difference in my dog. My relationship with my dog is great. And obviously like there's some super cool studies on enrichment that have been done. And then there's like contra freeloading concept where um, it shows how most species of animals prefer to work for their food. Yes. And I think talking about that kind of stuff people are like oh my gosh this makes perfect sense like when I put my bowl out and I put my wobbler out my dog goes crazy for my wobbler and doesn't want to eat out of the bowl anymore right mm-hmm. so I just think there's so many cool resources on it now and for people that are looking for it you can find whatever you're looking for these days which is amazing yeah no I mean I stayed like I was doing in Richmond 10 years ago but I never ever would have thought about you know something like using toilet paper rolls and and toilet paper tubes and making little parcels and hiding those arounds or stringing them up with you know uh, clips and having my dog nudge them or even you know stuff like that never yeah. that never crossed my mind it was just like oh here's a Kong or here's <laughs> we had like tree yeah. like, oh, that's what we would do but yeah now you're you're totally right it's so easy there's no excuse to not do enrichment now. You, <laughs> There's just know? so many things you can do, right? And it doesn't have to be crazy elaborate. It can be no. just a towel puzzle or like you said, a Kong. There's nothing wrong with the classics or the staples. They work just as well, right? Yeah. So I think too, sometimes people get like a little overwhelmed because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough or my activities are not as elaborate. But when it comes to enrichment, simple fun is just as great because Mm. people get so caught up with making things the most difficult or the most beautiful or the most, and I know with our platforms, I, I do go over the top with food enrichment sometimes. So, and it's not always like that. I can guarantee you, um, we do a very basic food enrichment in this house. Um, so I am guilty of that, but the ease, the simple ones are just as beneficial and simple fun is just as important. Yeah, your dog doesn't know, you know, doesn't know how long you've spent on that, doesn't know what the heck that thing is. Like, I mean, the Kong, speaking of the Kong, like, 
we use the, I have each dog has about four different ones and I use varying sizes depending on what I'm going to do. But I mean, lichen has literally, I keep them in the freezer because I batch and he eats mm-hmm. in his, in his room. So his room has a baby gate. They, they, the both dogs eat completely separate from each other and, and, and enjoy any enrichment separate from each other. And so if I go, yeah, it's, it's just safer. Um, But if I go to get a Kong and that can be your standard old red Kong classic, if I get that out of the freezer and I look at him and I say in, which is his cue to go into his room, he looks at me, he looks at the Kong and he's almost run into walls before. Like, it's like, (laughs) Have you never seen a Kong before? It's it's just what is in the Kong? What is going to be inside of that? You know, what is that joy that it's going to bring? And that I usually say to clients, like, obviously, you know, you don't want necessarily the enthusiastic kind of level that like (laughs) crashing through walls. (laughs) That's the response you're looking for is like, it's the engagement factor. You bring that out and the dog's like, yes, let's go. Exactly. It's like, that's when you know the excitement is real and it shows you right there, like the pure joy, right? That yeah. that can stem as a result of an activity like that. They're like, yes, this is the best day ever. And I will run through that wall to get that call. <laughs> I mean, he's tripped over his baddies, right? I'm just like, calm down. It's just a Kong. Like that sounds exactly <laughs> like Rosie, like exactly to a T. <laughs> Your your dog's very similar to to mirroring kind of what's going on with my dogs. Like Nero's very relaxed, he's very laid back, and Lycan is like, yeah, like the Tasmanian Median Devil, like in a in a black fursuit. <laughs> just like, exactly. Oh, Which I love, you know, appreciate his enthusiasm for things. Sometimes it's a little, you know, it's a little much, and you're like, okay, let's let's take it down just a couple notches, but. <laughs> his enthusiasm. If we had a, a fraction of his enthusiasm, we could do, you know, I know, right? I oh my gosh, yeah. Our dogs sound very much like they mirror each other. I can completely relate. <laughs> um, so just tell me a little bit, like what was the the aim? Was the the aim of Bindi's bucket list to get it out there and to give yourself like a platform or um how do you how do you kind of describe what your aim is for Bindi's bucket list? So when we started Bindi's Bucket List, it originally was just a platform so that Help Paws could see Bindi's progress. But like I said oh, earlier, when, yeah, because I yeah. wanted them to be able to see, right? Because they have dogs all over Canada and it's nice for them to um, be able to see the dogs, right? They put so much into rescuing these dogs and nursing them back to health and getting them to their new families. that I was like, oh, this way they can um, see Bindi grow up. And when the Kong plate went viral, that obviously just went a little crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) people here that want to learn more about this. So let's do it. Right. So um, when that started happening, I obviously integrated a lot of enrichment into our account. And I would say that's kind of like our niche. We do love to share all of the enrichment information and activities and toys and everything like that so I love that it's becoming more mainstream and I love giving people the opportunity to learn about this but I do also like to branch out here and there I while we do have this niche I hope that when and if we decide to take a new turn or um, add something else into the content that people won't be scared (laughs) 
I say this just because the dog worlds are ever evolving. And while we love doing the enrichment, we'll always do that on our platform. I think it's such an important factor of dog ownership these days. And it's one that we all should be talking about. And like we said, know about. Um, I like to talk about other things as well, right? Like we like to um, talk about multi-house dog ownership, how different that can be. Um, yes. the adoption processes, stuff like that. What's happening in the pet industry. We like to feature a bunch of different things. We love to, um, support our local shops and stuff like that too, especially with COVID this year, we've been working a lot, mostly with local brands to us. I think that's really, really important right now, especially with, like I said, everything going on with COVID, Um, but really I just want to unite pet owners and let them know that they're not alone in whatever they're going through, whether it be struggles with enrichment, successes with enrichment, or just overall pet ownership. Um, we like to be kind of a catch-all, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Just dogs. I think that should just be dogs. (laughs) I know, right? It's, it's one of those things, like we love the enrichment. We will always do it, but we do like to sprinkle a little other, like some other things in there (laughs) just because. No, I, I completely appreciate that. I mean, my kind of, it is training and behavior for me, but it's also welfare. Like everything is under that umbrella of welfare. Like that's what I tried to, to, you know, message out. That's what I tried to teach people, you know, clients and, and, you know, throughout, you know, interactions with me is just what can we do to make the lives of our dogs better? How can we have a good relationship? How can we have, you know, this line of communication where we don't feel those stereotypical, you know, the dog is stubborn or the dog is, you know, trying to get one up on me or, you know, all these things that we, we say about dogs, these labels that we give to them, which have everything to do with us and nothing to do with dogs. Absolutely. And I think what, like you said, with the welfare is so, that's one of the things I really, really try to do on our platform is I find that sometimes dog ownership can be very isolating at points. Yes. So, because obviously with social media, a lot of things are seen through rose colored glasses. And I really, really, really try to make all of our spaces very inclusive. And also I like to talk about our struggles as well. Because dog ownership isn't always happy-go-lucky, everything's great, right? We all have no. struggles, whether it be <laughs> training, just had a bad day, if you have health issues with your dog, or you just had a particularly stressful day, or your dog's reactive. These are all things that we as pet owners all, all go through, right? And I think talking about that and giving people a space where they don't feel judged or that they feel like they can... Um, relate to other people and pet owners and go oh my gosh I'm not a bad dog owner this happens to other people too because I think we're all guilty of being like oh my gosh am I doing the right thing or um, is my dog happy like we were talking about earlier so I definitely like to keep the lines of communication open with people I always answer my dms even though sometimes they get absolutely crazy I always 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 strive to answer everyone's questions because I am just a just a person. I'm not a robot. (laughs) So I would like always love to respond to people and like, just let them know that they want to chat. I'm going to be there and I might not always have the answers, but I definitely will always try and point people in the right direction of who can help if I can't. Yeah. I also think, um, I won't get to, I won't get on my soapbox too much about this, but 
I also think that um, when we see people on social media who are using methods which get you know quick results but they compromise the dog i think that furthers the difficulties that we have to help people understand that you know it, we have issues we have concerns with our dogs nothing is perfect it's not all you know puppies and rainbows and everyone's just like ah, when we yeah <laughs> um, although most of the time i am but um <laughs> but <laughs> But I think when we see these kind of quick fixes and we see things like that, we just think, well, wh why, why can't I do that? Or we want that instant gratification. And we think, well, you know what? I'm, I'm sick and tired of Fluffy pulling me all around. I want her to walk like that dog that I just saw. And look how easy it is. And I think that's sometimes difficult to it's difficult to communicate to people like what exactly is happening in that situation but I think yeah I think it's just it gets very hard for people because social media is is a hard one for people to really know what's going on behind the social pages right yeah for yeah. example people get bombarded with all these photos of off-leash dogs for example like you see people with all these beautiful photos of these dogs in these picturesque places but they don't realize that the leashes have been edited out in like 90 percent of these photos right so when they can't have an off-leash dog or their dog doesn't have recall the way they would like them to they feel bad because they're like well all these people have their dogs off leash but then mm -hmm. if we take a step back and you realize well actually none of these dogs are actually off leash but social media would have you look the other way and not realize that right yeah so i think that's why it can be very hard for people there's just so many different things out there right now and we only see a snippet of just a brief snippet of people's lives in every aspect of the word and it can be it can be really detrimental, I think, and for a lot of people because it makes people feel inadequate and it makes people feel like they aren't able to get results with their dogs when the reality is there's so much that goes into it and you'll never be able to grasp someone's journey with their dog just by a brief snippet you see online. No, absolutely. I mean, I I've had some struggles with Lycan when when I took him on, and I think for me it was very. I had had dogs all of my life and I'd been in training and I'd been previously in veterinary and a rescue and I've had all this background in, in dogs and then Lycan came along and just threw all of that like up in the air like he just grabbed my pile of papers and went and I you know trying to put them back together in order it's like you know everybody even if you have a lot of knowledge, even if you have a lot of history, even if you think you have it all together, you know what, like everybody struggles with these kind of concerns. They, they have concerns with their dogs and you're Absolutely. not alone. And, you know, if you're, if you're lucky and you have a dog who is, you know, maybe a little bit more kind of um, biddable or is a little bit more placid or you know then that's great that's your relationship with that dog but appreciate that everyone has a different relationship with their dog and the next dog that you may welcome into your life may not and most likely will not be like that previous dog a hundred percent as you know, as you know. <laughs> yes but, I mean, with Lincoln, but with Lincoln, there were times where I thought you know I 
I feel selfish trying to make this work if it's not working for him. And I really, really struggled with that. And it was very depressing for me. It was very, um, you know, professionally and personally, it was something that I, I did hide you know, from kind of, he just, he didn't appear too much on, (laughs) on like my pages and stuff. And, you know, really, really worked on that. And now I can say it's a million times our relationship is so, so good, but there was a period of time where I just didn't, I didn't know what was going to necessarily happen with us. And that's, that's hard to say as a, as a professional in this industry to be like, I had a dog that I didn't know if I could help in, in the way that I thought maybe I, I should. And that's really important to bring up as well. And I love how you brought that up, how you've had all this experience and knowledge. And then it shows you one dog can just throw you for a loop because like we've been saying this whole um, time, dogs can be super individual. And I can totally relate with Rosie in my end. I feel like our dogs, like we said, are completely mirroring each other. <laughs> that because I love as well. <laughs> there we go, right? It's just we just have two different scenarios that are very similar here. I can completely relate. And with Rosie, I remember, I just remember when we brought her home, and at first it was great. And like I had mentioned, she had some unforeseen health issues. So she was essentially just incontinent, like to no end for the first month we had her, we must've gone to at least 14 vet appointments. It was, it was obscene. Wow. And so that was super hard for us. Um, when we brought her home, because obviously we were not expecting something like that. And like you said, I was like, I do not know if we're going to be able to, um, like properly figure out what this is in a way that is it detrimental to her, right? Because we had no idea what was going on. We didn't know if it was ectopic uh, ureters. We didn't know if she would require surgery. We didn't, we, we knew nothing, right? It was all so up in the air. Um, they really didn't know if it was something internally that she had had as a puppy that was just rearing um, its head now. And I remember struggling with that a lot, but we didn't want to talk about it a ton over social media because we were like in this limbo of, okay, what is, what is happening? And I finally decided to talk about it on social media because I was like, well, maybe someone has gone through this and knows what's going on with, with our puppy. Right. And talking about it and opening up about it was one of the best things we ever did. First of all, I definitely felt like it wasn't an outlet for me because I was so upset and very, very just going through the motions of this at the time and barely sleeping and So having these people that had had similar situations who um, had all these different diagnoses of what the vet at the time thought could be going on with Rosie was great to have that outlet there and have people to talk with. Um, Luckily, she's totally fine now, um, but it was one of the hardest times we've ever had as pet owners. And those situations are so stressful and they're not ones you necessarily want to show on social media at first because they're hard. And, but sometimes they're the best things to talk about, to let other people know that they're not alone as well. Yeah. Um, but I can totally relate because you're just sitting there and you just don't know what the right move is and you don't know what's next. And it's just, it's scary, right? Especially because you want the absolute best for your dogs. 
Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And that was the thing I struggled with the most is because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my ego. It wasn't about who I, it wasn't me. It was, am I doing the right thing for him? Is this right for him? And mm-hmm. that's what I, I I think the thing that just kept me seesawing back and forth is because I just kept saying, you know, am I selfish? Is this wrong? And, you know, my boyfriend and I talked about it extensively. Um, and he just said, you know, which I spoke to colleagues and things like that in, in you know, kind of private, private terms. And they said, you know, this dog could not have a better home. Like, you know, and also other people were sharing that they had had a dog that maybe was very because he's very high drive if you you know didn't mm-hmm. already realize that <laughs> but and I've had a I've had a German Shepherd before so you know it's not like I'm unfamiliar with the breed but again the breed is is nothing basically you know it's kind of like maybe a physicality and there might be some characteristics but he when I spoke to them about you know what was going on and stuff they they divulged that they had issues going you know back with other other dogs that they had had and how they'd worked on their relationship and you know it was very supportive and it made me feel like you know what I I can I can do this and if I reach a point where I feel like I can't then that is the decision that I'm I'm gonna have to make but let me just give it let me just give it one good old try left and you know that really made me feel better that people were saying multiple people were saying this dog couldn't have a better life he couldn't land in a better home like the whole reason why he was given to me was so that he could have a better life and that in itself was pressure to feel like you know am I doing this am I am I able to do this but it's I don't know it's something that I think we should we should definitely talk more about but it's it's also that fear of feeling like are you a failure or do you, are you not good at what you do? You know, are you, absolutely? are you like, you know, not, could you help my dog if you can't help your dog? And I'm like, I, now I openly tell clients about it, you know, when they're struggling with their adolescent dog and they're really struggling and they're, they're upset about it, or they feel emotional in other senses, or they feel like they're, they have no kind of way out. I will talk about lichen and I will, I will share with them that, you know what, I've been exactly in your same position. I have felt, you know, can I, can I keep this dog? Can I have, you know, the, the ability and the strength within myself to keep this relationship going and persevere or, and it really does help them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Instead of feeling judged, I feel like they go, oh, okay, well, Renee's done with this. So like, <laughs> we should, yeah. <laughs> but it works out fine. You know, you, it, it lasts and we have little blips here and there, but the blips are so few and far between now that we, we kind of go, oh, you're in one of those moods, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And it's just, it goes to show there's always going to be a dog that throws a wrench in your plans, but the wrench doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing. It can be something you just absolutely learn from and move forward and it feels that much better once you get through the hard stuff and like you said then you can bring it up with other people and you'll find soon that so many people undergo the same circumstances but nobody wants to talk about it right necessarily because like you said we all don't want to feel like a failure as a pet owner that's like all of our biggest fear 
We all want to be good pet owners. We all want to do the best for our pets. So when we feel like we're not, or we feel like there's the potential that we could be doing something wrong, or even though we know most times like things can be out of our hands, but obviously as pet owners, we still feel like this moral obligation because they're our family. So I totally agree. And I'm so glad that you we're able to get through everything with Lycan because that's amazing. And what a great story that is now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I, do, I do love him. And I, you know, and that was the thing that kept me going as well is because this, he loves me. Like he is, he's borderline obsessed, you know, like he <laughs> will ask him to do something. And then he looks at me like, you know, can I do it? Can I do it? <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. So that was, that was a stressor. I thought like, if I, you know, if I give up on him, I, I, I can't for him because it is, you know, I'm his person. And yeah. although our relationship is in a, in a little bit of a tailspin at the moment, like I'm his person and that's it. And that was the ceiling factor for me that made me decide, you know what, let's just do this again. And I reassessed everything. I changed what I was doing. I looked at it objectively and then I was able to to change what I was doing in my approach. And, you know, here we are now. So yes, it is. <laughs> I laugh about it now. That's why. Cause I'm just like, oh my goodness, looking back, like, you know, when you wake up and you're like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> and you're allowed to laugh at it now. That's what we all have to do. Yeah. We all need some comedic relief when we go through those scenarios. But you know what? If I encounter in my life another dog similar to to life Lycan, I I feel like I you know I, I'm so much more prepared for that situation now Which than, is great, than I was. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's been a, he's been a blessing as for you know my personal and professional self. He has definitely been that that dog that kind of pivoted everything that you were doing and. Yeah. It's like oh you know what you're doing? <laughs> Here you go. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Now watch this. No. <laughs> yeah. Hold my beer. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm going to do a meme with Lycan and it says, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be perfect. It'll be so fitting. <laughs> no, we often joke like, I'm good now. I'm good now. <laughs> or Scott used to hear from me and my friends, you know what? He's doing better. And if we get text message, I heard Lycan's doing better. <laughs> Is he doing like better? Perfect. Yeah. yeah, he's doing better. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I think a lot of clients have said like the church, the church of Renee, where I'm like trying to convert people to think about their their lives with their dogs differently. <laughs> and if it is, <laughs> then you know what, I I take it. But there you it, go, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's a new angle, you know. I could do a, a dog church. There you go. <laughs> that would, you, could you imagine how that would go? <laughs> oh, I would love it. Everyone bring your dog to church. Now leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just leave me with the dogs. No. <laughs> I think it is that, that kind of feeling of an inspiration, especially with things like enrichment. You know, when you get inspired, it perpetuates you. And again, like you said, you know, when you see the benefit for the dog, that again is another kind of thing that pushes you forward and you are able to continue because you see the benefit and it's, it's fun. You know, it's engaging for, for us. It's, you know, it has so many benefits for not only the dog, but for, for us in our relationships. 
Absolutely. And I think that it can be kind of therapeutic for the owners too. I know I'm a little bit weird in that regard, but putting stuff together is so satisfying for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know it's so strange, but like, I don't know, just on a Sunday night, if it's like a quiet Sunday night and I'm just prepping things for the week and I have my music going, it's kind of nice because it's just kind of calming for me. It might not be for everybody, obviously, (laughs) but it's one of those weird things that when it becomes routine, it just, when I don't do it, it seems weird. Yeah. And I think I, I personally, cause I do a lot of batching cause very similar to your setup where the music's on and you're like, da, da, da. but yeah. um, <laughs> when you look at what you've done and it's there in front of you and it's such a satisfying feel it's like into the freezer, you go like, yeah, it's so nice. You feel like you've really accomplished something. And then again, when you present it to your dog and you watch them enjoy it, it's another kind of, you know, endorphin hit where you're like, Ooh, that was nice. I like that. Exactly. And it's just like, it's like a love language for dogs. It's like, it's like, it's just one of those staples in our house now. And it, it would just feel weird not to have them ready. You know what I mean? It's just like become such a staple. Like if we're going somewhere or if say I have a meeting in the afternoon at work, it's just one of those easy things. And it's like, I know it's enjoyable for them. And then I have a minute to just get through the meeting and whatnot and it's just like everybody wins yeah I mean I do a lot of zoom consults in in this kind of lockdown situation and half the time people don't even know that I have dogs because they're quite they're either sleeping or they have their enrichment and I set it up like that that you know they're they're doing something and I can do what I need to do yeah Exactly. And it can be a great tool for that as well. It's just one of those things that can be integrated in so many different ways to be beneficial for everybody. And that's one of the reasons we love it so much, truly. Yeah, it's, it's too simple not to do, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does not have to be hard at all. No. And speaking of which, do your, do your girls have like go-to kind of activities and toys and stuff that you that you do with them that you know that they're just like really like they have favorites well they love the kong wobblers like they that is one toy that they have never ever gotten sick of it's one of those that i can always pull out and they are just immediately hyped (laughs) (laughs) they are just like yes this is great and we recently we have the bob a lot as well that's really similar Mm -hmm. um they like those ones i think because well now they're just like little masters of it i I needed to find other ways to kind of just amp up the difficulty a little bit because they were just getting so good Yeah, and they love them. So those are definitely some of our staples. We also love using snuffle activities. So like snuffle mats, those I just love. They are just watching my dogs with a snuffle mat. I feel like it's just as calming for me as it is for them. Yes, right. The sniffing. I love, I mean, clients sometimes think I'm probably weird, but I'm like, you know, I just like watching the dog sniff. It's just so, it's just so calming. <laughs> Everyone's calm when a snuffle mats out. It's amazing. Yeah. And right. And it's just like, I feel like I can watch their heart rate, just settle when they have one, their tails are going. It's just one of those one, like activities that for my dogs, I know they really, really enjoy. So yeah. it's an easy one for us as well. Like it's just place and go. They just love it. Yeah. Um, they love stuffable toys as well. They're my two are very, very food motivated as if you couldn't tell by what I'm listing here. But, um, they love those kind of toys, but we also have like flirt poles as well. 
Um, they're big tennis ball freaks. <laughs> they love anything squeaky. So like burrow toys, like the zippy paws little burrow toys, they absolutely go crazy for those. But yeah, uh, we don't use those as much just because Bindi is like an obscene destroyer of anything soft. <laughs> <laughs> so she cannot be trusted. But um, our probably our three go twos are the um, wobbler, like I said, a snuffle mat, and probably just a standard Kong or a Westpaw topple. Yeah. No, those yeah. are all three, three great ones. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're just basic staples. And there's just so many variations of those types of toys that you can get now. Like, and even with the stuff like the snuffle mats, you don't have to necessarily purchase a snuffle mat. You can do like the snuffle towel puzzles we've been showing online. Um, yes. stuff like that yeah, yeah. there's so many and, things you can do with the towel like I think people oh my gosh yes they underestimate the towel <laughs> I know and it's such a great one and it's obviously we many of us have like old towels that are just collecting dust in the back of our linen cabinets we all yeah. have, for some reason have rogue towels and uh it's such a easy easy way to add a snuffle activity into your routine and they're also so easy to clean so yes win-win so those are ones I love to recommend to people. If they don't have a snuffle mat and they don't really know if their dog is going to enjoy something like that, it's a great way to just use something at home to see how your dog does. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and how do you, like the more creative stuff that you do, How what gives you the inspiration for that? So it honestly depends on what it is. Sometimes I'll just have like a light bulb moment. It's, I love doing stuff around um, the holidays or when things are in season, for example. I love um, stuff yes, like that. Yes, I did see. Oh, I, <laughs> I did see um, the uh, the gingerbread house or gingerbread houses, air quotes. <laughs> yes, I love doing stuff around the holidays because I get super inspired, especially like getting inspired by. Um, like things we as people eat. I know that sounds super weird, but like you, like you said, I did like the gingerbread houses, but I did them out of like raw food mm -hmm. and I used little like housing molds. So they look like little houses. Um, we did like a Christmas tree that was like in a snow globe kind of thing. Yes. That was cool. Um, <laughs> thank you. And just stuff like that. I love using molds and different like fun little things I can freeze or bake, what have you. But I also get super inspired by the people in our audience. Like some people have these amazing ideas and I'm like, this is genius. Like you guys inspire me all the time. And that's why I love being um, tagged in what people make or if people are like, oh my gosh, I would love it if you did something like this or I saw this and I thought of you. Just because there's so much you can do when it comes to enrichment and I know some of them are over the top and they're kind of meant to be over the top. Yeah. Um, obviously they're not something I do like all the time, but I love to do the <laughs> over the top ones at uh, like you on holidays. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine I was pumping those out every day? I would, I would have no time. <laughs> no one would get enrichment because it would never be finished. <laughs> but uh, I do love seeing what other people come up with and it just really depends. Like sometimes I'll be watching a show and it'll something random will come up or I'll be reading a book and I'm like, oh, and Joel will be like, what's going on? And I'll be like, I just thought of a great idea. I need to write this down. <laughs> That's me when I come so up crazy. with my memes and stuff. I'll be in, uh, yeah. I mean, I came up with one um, 
actually my boyfriend is very good inspiration as well and like literally I'm I'm very much a person where like if I think about it I'm like oh I need to write that down or I'm gonna forget about it or I'm just like I'm gonna do it right now because I can do it really really quickly but yeah. <laughs> exactly. it just pops in my head and I'm like oh that one's good <laughs> yeah and I think too Joe and I love cooking like we love to cook and that's one of the things that have been getting us through COVID um, we've been just cooking a lot. And sometimes if I see something plated some way, like um, in like a recipe book or on um, like the Food Network, mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I could do a dog variation of that. And then of course, Joe just stares at me like, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's so used to it. Like I'll never forget the first time I pull, I did a um, blog feature for Kong and we did, um, it was essentially like a little chick sitting on oh, top yeah. of yeah no that's adorable and, <laughs> and it was one of them that difficult to eat if that was like a human <laughs> human thing i'd be like uh no <laughs> everyone's like are you aren't you so sad to like give those i'm like sometimes it is a little hard to give them to the dogs but <laughs> um i'll never forget his face when i pulled that out of the freezer because that was like the first like really detailed one i had ever shown him and his face was just like oh it's come to this <laughs> But like, now he's come the straight jackets like on speed dial. <laughs> I know. So he was like, now he's just so used to it. Like if he opens the freezer and there's something funny in there, he's like, oh, is that what you're doing for like next week? And I'll be like, yeah, he's like, oh, okay, cool. So <laughs> now he's uh, used to it because we've just, now it's become something we do all the time. But yeah, um, at first it was definitely like, a, are you sure you're going to do this? <laughs> I was like, yep, we're going for it. We're doing it now. <laughs> I love Halloween stuff. So like I, the oh, brain yeah. one that you did, I, that's like been my favorite one. I just think that's oh, so thank you. I, I love like stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I love Halloween too. So that I love to do lots of stuff around Halloween because there's so many cool things you can do. Right. Yeah. So I always try and do a bunch of different Halloween ones. Um, cause Halloween's like my guilty pleasure. Yeah, no, it, I think there's just something, even if it's like creepy and spooky, it's just like, oh, it gets me so excited. <laughs> I know. And it's so easy to like, I find like doing creepy stuff with food is always super interesting for people. Like even if you go to like a Halloween party as a kid and they have like all the Halloween themed foods, right? It's the same yeah. with like the enrichment ideas. Yeah, no, I, I always love those. I, I think it's really nice to see what people come up with because I have a creative background. I don't know, have you like dabbled in, you know, kind of creative arts or art or anything like that previously? Uh, yeah, so I, well, my family is pretty artistic. My dad actually is an amazing drawer. And I remember as ever since I was a kid, like drawing and cartoons and everything like that and painting, that, that was always a big thing in our family. Mm. And um, nothing like legitimate, like I, I didn't go to school to be like a painter or anything like that. It was just kind of what we would do as kids, right? But yeah. um, creativity has always been something very much celebrated in our household. So I could definitely see how the creativeness of this can stem from how we were raised as kids because the sky's kind of the limit when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? This this past year is going to be just a couple of gingerbread houses. Next year, it's going to be like a gingerbread village. 
<laughs> well, it's also, I think too, this year because of COVID and being on lockdown and everything, like I have way more time than I normally would, <laughs> right? So I said to my mom, I'm like, mom, here I am in the middle of lockdown making gingerbread houses out of raw dog food. <laughs> I'm like, only this would happen to me in lockdown. But you know what? It's, it's been super enjoyable. And when it comes out the way I've like visioned it it it's super satisfying but we, I've yeah. also had so many of those circumstances where you're picturing something and it's not quite right and then I get the little eye twitch and I'm like I can't do this I, ha- I have to read it. <laughs> yeah because I mean you would think about it like you know houses made out of raw food in the mind that seems like oh that probably would look awful but it looks really cool <laughs> thank you <laughs> You know, it sounds, it sounds crazy when you say it out loud. And when people are like, oh, so what do you do on your social media? And I'll be like, I make dog food art. <laughs> and then you can see some people are like, uh, yeah. okay. Right? And I'm like, you just have to see it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, is there a calling for that? You'd be surprised. No, it's like my, my weird niche guys. Okay. <laughs> um, so what kind of tips would you have for guardians who are, you know, kind of maybe like starting out with enrichment or um, things that, you know, they could do that maybe would make things easier or fun or creative for them? Inspirational stuff. Absolutely. Whenever someone comes to me, they're like, I'm totally new to enrichment. What should I do? I always recommend starting out with like kind of three staples. I like to do like an interactive feeder. So that would be something like a wobbler, like I mentioned earlier, or you could do the bob a lot, anything like that. Um, There's other options as well. It just depends what you're looking for, but an interactive feeder is a good way to start. And then obviously like something classic, like a Kong, you can never go wrong with a Kong. I feel like it's an absolute dog staple. And I always recommend like a calming enrichment activity. So when I say a calming enrichment activity, I lean towards a snuffle activity or like a lick mat, just Mm -hmm. because um, the act of licking and sniffing can be a calming sort of activity for dogs. So that way you kind of have like three little um, tricks in your back pocket there. And they're very different, right? They initiate different um, activities and actions and movements in your dog. But also just starting easy. We don't have to be making these huge elaborate things when you start. Like if you feel very overwhelmed by that, that you don't have to do that. You can do just like we've said earlier, just the simple basics. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you're ever feeling overwhelmed or if you feel like your dog isn't um, taking to something, that's okay. Just rotate it out. It's okay if your dog really, really likes one enrichment activity, say there's just like one that you think they go crazy for, just use that. That is totally fine. And if you want to rotate something in later or try something again at a different time, that's also cool too. Um, There's really no right or wrong when it comes to what you're rotating in, as long as your activity obviously isn't causing frustration or for your dog to be upset. We obviously want things to be enjoyable for them, right? We need to focus on making something fun and not uh, unattainable. Yeah. But I want to have the point, really. I mean, it's exactly. just pointless. Yeah. If, if we're getting to the point where our dogs are frustrated, we're just completely um, just undoing everything we've been trying to build with enrichment so if your dog is frustrated 
or something's way too hard for them, it's not, that's not what we want. We just want our dogs to be um, partaking in activities that make them think, but that are also making them happier. So something e like little easy things at the beginning. Uh, I also found that for stuffing enrichment, like we also have been talking about, that batching everything ahead of time is a really, really big um, stress reliever for me at least, because then I know I have my Kongs ready for the week. Uh, I don't have to stress if, oh my gosh, I have to go somewhere and I have nothing to give my dog, or I, I want to do this training session with them, but I don't have um, an enrichment activity to give them to decompress after. If you batch them all, you're going to have them all ready for you, ready to go. And it kind of takes the guesswork out of that as well. Yeah, on on the back of that, I think because we I like I said I do batching, but I also batch um like DIY construction stuff. So I'll make boxes and I'll let them sit for a little while. And I think sometimes if you've wrapped them in paper or if they're in something that if that's been sitting around, that's going to intensify that smell. So like the dog gets in, it's like oh I really want to get what's inside of here, especially things yeah. like dried fish and, and things or something that's a little bit oily it takes on you know that kind of the paper takes on that oil um yeah so, yeah totally totally agree with batching it's just so super it's like a foolproof method of making sure that you are getting in your enrichment activities absolutely and even if it even I know some people now, obviously a lot more of us are at home given the circumstances. So sometimes it's easier to incorporate enrichment now because we're all at home. But even if you think that you're going to forget about things when things get back to normal and we're going to work, but you still want to ensure that your enrichment activities are obviously being um, put into your routines, use your meals. That's one of the biggest things I always stress is if you use enrichment with meals it just takes the guesswork out of that as well so then you know that you're not going to be say forgetting to give them their stuff kong at night or you know what oh my gosh I haven't even done a snuffle activity and don't feel bad if you can't sometimes life happens you're not a bad dog parent for not giving enrichment every single day um, but I find that building it into your routine is a surefire way to make sure that your dog gets something fun and that you're using your enrichment toys and activities that obviously you set out to use on a regular basis. So for example, putting a meal on a snuffle mat or in a wobbler in the morning or even at night, or even setting a little timer to say, oh, you know what? I actually really did want to give them this activity tonight at seven, right before my show so that they can do that and then just chill out. That's another way you could incorporate it as well. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. I think definitely if you get into a little bit of a, a routine with it, because you have to feed your dog, right? So if you can feed your dog, exactly. enrichment, that's like two birds, one stone. Like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then that way it's just easier for you because then it's just all in one go and then everybody wins. <laughs> yeah. And do you, um, so are the girls kind of exclusively raw fed or do you um, use other types of, of food kind of methods? So we... I tried to, they are raw fed now. Um, we had previously fed kibble. I have no problems with kibble. I'm very feed the dog that's in front of you. Um, I hate the narrative happening right now with where, which we see quite a lot with the diet bashing between all kinds of different diets. So I always like to stress to people, don't feel bad dependent on your diet. Every dog is different and has different needs. So we actually ended up switching to raw because Bindi was suffering from this um, hair loss that we just could not 
we could absolutely just not figure out. Like we switched her on to just a plethora of different kibbles. And after nothing worked, we, um, through the um, advice of a vet and nutritionist, we actually put them on raw just to kind of see last ditch effort if anything would change. And luckily it did for whatever reason, her hair is now back, which is fantastic. So it can be a little bit harder with um, enrichment with raw yeah for many reasons right we want to make sure it's safe we want to make sure um things can be cleaned easily so that's one thing i'm trying to put on our social media more for people that have to raw feed or do feed raw feed diets because there um there are some great toys that you can use one of our favorites is the topple or a lick mat for example yes but i do keep lots of small training treats on hand for stuff like the wobbler or the um, bobble up, for example, like I've been talking about snuffle mats because my dogs enjoy them so much. There's just no way that I'm gonna get rid of those, <laughs> no. right? So they absolutely love them. So I'll always find a way to incorporate them because I just know that they're so beneficial for my dogs. But um, yeah, I do find that people that feed a raw food diet do have a little bit more of a struggle when it comes to enrichment, just because we wanna make sure everything is as clean as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, that is something I've done a couple posts about it now, um, talking about how to incorporate it because people do, you do struggle. And yes, there aren't as many, you know, options available like there are for, you know, more standard kind of food delivery, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you can't, you can't do it. It's just absolutely. Yeah. And there's great ways works. to do it. Mm-hmm. And equally, totally you know, great. Yeah, like for me, uh, we feed we feed primarily raw, but then we also we tend to kind of use a really good quality dry, so like an origin, um, yeah, generally. And I think the combination of two, they probably eat about maybe ninety percent, eighty, eighty five, like ninety percent raw, and then for those enrichment activities or training or something like that you know, they will have things like freeze-dried treats or dehydrated treats or yeah. kibble. And it's such a high grade that they will work for it. And it Absolutely. doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be like, well, I only feed raw and that's the only thing my dog's going to eat. You know, the dog, just like us, we eat so many different types of things in so many different forms. Sometimes yeah. it's really nice to crunch on something. <laughs> yeah, of you course. Know, the dog, it's, it's nice. And especially with things like the wobbler or other activities where you just could not put a moist or a raw, you know, wet component in it, like then your dog's missing out on that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I totally love what you said about using the origin. And it's so smart because I think a lot of raw feeders get, like we said, you get a little upset because you're like, oh, I want really want to use this, but should I even buy something like this if my dog eats raw? And incorporating other dry like really good quality treats is not hard there are so many great brands out there um and like you said too even incorporating a really good quality kibble there's no problem with that at all and if that is a way to incorporate different forms of enrichment for your dog if you want to do that that's a great way to do that and I think we need to normalize this more because I feel like sometimes people get really stuck right they just feel like oh my dog can only eat this one thing um, but that can make it really hard to incorporate some of the moving toys, for example, like we wouldn't want to put something wet or sticky or raw inside. Yeah, that'd be awful in a, in a wobbler. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like nightmare fuel. Yeah. <laughs> that would just be, oh, not good. 
I just imagine Lycan would probably like he's he's bitten when he first kind of was you know introduced to the wobbler. He did bite. I have a few bite marks on the top because I think he was a little bit like, "What is this? <laughs> this is not <laughs> this is not squishy." Um, but I think he would probably if I put raw on there, he'd probably destroy it. Like he would find a way to just. I know. It. See, Lycan <laughs> and Rosie are the same dog. They're kindred spirits. <laughs> I feel for you. <laughs> It's just like, I swear, if there was raw in there, Rosie would just like suplex that through the wall somehow. She would yeah. get in there. No, <laughs> there I, would be I just no, no doubts. <laughs> doubts whatsoever. But I think, you know, you also touched on something as well. Like I, I promote very, you know, natural, we want a really good diet for the dog, but at the end of the day, you feed what is within your budget and you feed what is good for your lifestyle. Like we cannot, you know, you cannot force someone and it's not good to make someone feel bad about the diet that they're feeding. We try to, you know, there's so many things you can do, like swapping out some of it, replacing some of it with, with fresh, you know, you can incorporate as much as possible, but that is another thing that I sometimes go, goes along with enrichment is like, well, I feed this, but how do I do this with that? And, you know, should I swap them to something? I see that you're doing something with raw or I get that a lot with clients as they say, well, what do you, what do you give your dog? And I'm like, well, I give my dog this, but you need to feed what is, you know, within your budget and also within your lifestyle. Don't, you know, I don't want to convert people to, to doing it, but at the same time, try to make the best choice possible. Absolutely. And I'm so happy that you said that, especially just for me, obviously with the industries, I see just so much diet bashing and it's hard for me to see that because every person has such a different situation that we know nothing about. Um, for example, like I like to mention how we switch the girls to raw because of Bindi's coat, right? Um, so people might not necessarily know that if they don't know much about us and they might go, oh my gosh, she feeds raw. How could she do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There's very different dynamics with that. And then there might be someone else who's feeding kibble who has to feed kibble who maybe has tried raw, but it just really didn't um, go how they'd planned or their dog might have a medical issue. Just There's just so many components to a diet. And I totally agree with you that as long as people are looking at the ingredient base and opting to find the best choices for both their lifestyle and um, their dog's nutrition, that's all we can ask for, right? And yeah, and people are just trying the best they can. And uh, I think talking to people about it and helping people learn more about it and being positive about it really, really makes a difference because then we can all learn from one another and teach one another as opposed to making people feel bad. Because I see that so often now on social media where people are making people feel bad about their diets when some people really don't have a choice in maybe what their dog is on, right? So it's very refreshing to hear that for sure. But also, I mean, if I, you know, I we... Nero was previously on a, a cold press and I thought, oh, this is the best food, you know, it has all these amazing things and it's cold press and blah, blah, blah. And um, my boyfriend's a chef. And when he would watch Nero eat, you know, he was like, he doesn't really eat a lot of it. And I was like, oh, he free feeds. Um, <laughs> that old chestnut. He free feeds. And he was like, no, I think he just doesn't like it. And he's so, he's nine, just over nine, but he's always been supplemented with raw, like chicken wings and hearts and, you know, stuff. And he would eat that. 
So that would go almost immediately. And so Scott just, you know, and he said, you know, credit to you, because when I presented it to you, you didn't mm-hmm. go absolutely not. No, no, no. You know, this is the, I did say, well, this is a really good food. Like it did make me feel a little bad for feeding him a food that maybe someone else thought isn't really good. And yeah. I would say, you know, yes, like he, he, he likes it. He likes it. You know, he free feeds. Um, he, he gets to have it whenever he wants to. Uh, no, he's just <laughs> leaving it. That's what he's doing. He's leaving it. But I looked at that and went, okay, well, how can I, make his meal times more enjoyable, you know? And yes, I did switch him to, to raw completely, but at the same time, you know, if, if I didn't know anything in the winter time, he doesn't, he'll eat frozen body parts. Um, but in the winter time, when I present, you know, if I present his food in, in like a licky mat or a wobble bowl, or even just a regular bowl, he does not like to eat the raw when it's cold. So I actually add through kind of a little bit of trial and error, I add some hot water into his, in, into his raw food. And mm-hmm. if I didn't, you know, kind of go, oh, if I wasn't me necessarily, I would just probably go, oh, he probably doesn't like raw or, oh, he's off his food. When it's like the second that I added that warm water and it, you know, made it a little bit warmer for him, he tucks right in. He loves it. But you know, I tried lots of different things, like different wet foods. And, you know, we went back to some, there are some kind of dries that he, he will eat. He's incredibly, we've made him into a food snob, basically. (laughs) If it's not meat or cheese, like, he's just like, no, it's not happening. Um, But I think sometimes we, we kind of think like, oh, our dog doesn't like that. Or, you know, maybe I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm feeding the wrong thing. We get really perplexed by it. But it's like, just try that thing again in a, in a slightly different way. Like you Absolutely. said, with the, with the wobbler, as opposed to a bowl, like sometimes the boys like, we used to do like scattering for Nero. So I literally would oh, yeah. scatter food on the floor and he would love that. He would just go back, you know, just pick up every single little one. Yeah like activity mats I bought a activity mat which was for <laughs> it's kind of geared more towards puppies you know the seat you see the one on like wish and everything and yeah I'm, you know it's 10 pounds let me try and see if he'll and he loves it so sometimes he has dinner out of that but no I definitely think people need to be a little bit more open to to the way that they present the food to their dog and also like what are you feeding the dog yeah, I totally agree. I think if people were a little more open-minded on dog diets and I think people to, um, I think part of it is that there's so many conflicting pieces of information everywhere that people get really, really confused really fast. And I don't blame people. Like, look at all the different information out there. It's so hard to know what's real, what's not, what sources to actually use. So I completely relate to people. It can be nothing short of overwhelming. So that's why I always just tell people, go easy on yourself and don't let people make you feel bad. Um, As long as you're genuinely trying to learn and um, move forward in whatever you decide to feed and you're making decisions based on information that you've researched yourself, I'll that's all you can do. Right. And, um, you got to do what you got to do for your own dog and no one knows your dog better than you. Yeah. I mean, there's a, I love this quote. I kind of like live by this quote and it's like, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And until you know better, you know, do better. But if you know something and you choose to ignore that information, 
And that wasn't the quote, by the way. I totally botched the quote. That's okay. <laughs> but I think it's when you know better, do better, essentially. But um, yeah. hey, that's okay. We got a new quote now. It's now we'll we'll now quote quote it from Renee. <laughs> I think you know what I mean, but um, yeah. <laughs> but I think you know when we have information, when you have knowledge, and you choose to ignore it, that's that's not that's not good. You know, you're you're yeah. cho you're choosing to ignore that, but you only can do what you have with the information that you have at the time, and no exactly. one should ever feel guilty about that. A hundred percent, I completely agree. <laughs> we'll use that totally as agree. Quote. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're setting out a bunch of quotes today. <laughs> Great, great fodder for, yeah. for the internet. <laughs> Me fumbling my way. I can't remember who that quote is from either. It is honestly my favorite quote and I definitely live by it, but I can't remember who it, who it's by now. I'm drawing a blank. I'll remember later. Um, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I'm so glad that we, you know, had a chance to talk as well because I, it's always refreshing to hear people who are on the same page, you know, we might be, we might be presenting, like I'm coming from a behavior and kind of training standpoint, and you're coming from more of like a lifestyle and enrichment standpoint. And I get that. I mean, I love enrichment, so passionate, passionate about enrichment, which is why I made it kind of the first, the first month is enrichment because <laughs> it's just, I wish everyone, you know, was, in just enthusiastic about it, even if they just, you know, did the, the, the stuff, like even if they did your basic three, you know, like the benefit that it brings to your dog and to your life in general, it's, it's just such, such an empowering thing for dogs to be able to have these choices and to be able to utilize things, which help to bring them confidence and interactive things, you know, to engage their brain and, the amount of behavior problems that reduce from just doing these simple things is so beneficial to us. Absolutely. And I could not agree more with you. I'm sure you already know that because <laughs> I, I completely agree. And for me, I think the fact that it's becoming more of the norm to put these kinds of activities into our dog's routines, it just makes me so excited because you can see the effect it has. You you truly can. And watching people's relationships change with their dogs, seeing um, people with their dogs who have behavioral changes once they start to incorporate this kind of thing. It's great because it's like we've been saying this whole time, it's something that can span um, everyone's um, dog ownership journey. It's something that can be integrated with little to no cost but with big benefits. And I think that's something that's kind of hard to find in the dog industry, something that can cost you literally nothing that can have such a strong impact. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's beginning to take off as much because people are realizing this and going, why wouldn't I want to integrate this? Why wouldn't I want to use this to make my dog's life happier? So seeing that makes me beyond happy. And I'm so excited to see what happens next with this because I think it's only going to continue to grow from here. Yeah, no, completely. We're just, the trajectory of where we're going is is very interesting. I mean, for everyone, 
I, I hope whenever I do consults, I can reach a point where I go like, right, so let's talk about what you're doing for enrichment instead of like, do you know about enrichment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I truly think we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely headed in that direction completely. Um, right. So it has, again, it has been an awesome, awesome pleasure to have you on the show. So thank you so much for doing that. No, I do thank you have, so much for having me. Yeah. Um, I do have some um, questions, just some, you know, lighthearted, fun questions. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> so I made a mistake with Beth um, where I asked her a question. I think the question was something like, oh, um, Oh, what is like, what is your, oh, I can't even remember now. What was it? Um, oh, what do you hope to achieve with, uh, for dogs with your work? And <laughs> I said, like, don't think about it too much. And then I asked her the question and it went off into this whole big thing. So that has been admitted. I am no longer asking that question. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> it's not a lighthearted question. Like it gets, you know, it gets the, it got me teary-eyed basically. I was like, yes, that's what we need to do. Um, <laughs> so the opposite of what I'm trying to actually do with the question. Okay. So <laughs> that's all right. Don't think about them too much. Just first thing that comes to your head. Um, right. So what is your favorite weird food combination? Oh, this is going to be kind of gross. <laughs> like for me or for the dogs, I should say. For you, for you. This is all about you. Oh, for me. Okay. So then it won't be gross. Um, I, <laughs> I'm thinking of Kong combinations. This is what my life has become. Um, <laughs> weird food combination. I do like a frosty, but to dip fries in a frosty. Come on, For those of you who don't so know what a frosty is, it? it's like a, yeah, it's like a chocolate milkshake, but when you salty fry in a chocolate milkshake, it's so good. I don't oh care what anyone goodness. says. <laughs> no, especially if the fry is, is crispy, like, oh. Yeah, it has to be crispy. Yeah. Like, mm, chef's kiss, amazing. Oh, oh so good. Now that's I want one. <laughs> no, that's not even weird at all, but at least you have Wendy's there. Like, we have no Wendy's here. We don't even have a lot of things in, in the UK. Like, people always ask me, like, what is it like living, you know, because I was, I'm originally American, but I live in the UK now. What is it like? And I'm like, it's like the same but different. Like we just, <laughs> just like, no Wendy's. No, there's no Wendy's. There are some Taco Bell, but I'm I'm pretty sure when I had Taco Bell here, it did not taste the same. I'm I'm pretty sure that it did not taste the same. No, there's <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, but a lot of things don't even have equivalents. So like you can't even you can't get a frosty. You can't even get something that tastes like a frosty ish. Oh, I love a frosty. I haven't had one in quite some time. <laughs> now I'm gonna go after this and just go to the drive-thru. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm gonna live vicariously through you. I'll just be like, oh, Taylor's enjoying her frosty and her fries. Oh, that must be so good. <laughs> so good. I don't think I don't consider that weird at all. I think that's beautiful. It's amazing. So good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could agree on that too, because I, I don't know how anyone could disagree. It's just, it's a match made in heaven. It is totally. <laughs> um, right. So what was the last thing you were really excited about? Oh, my um, stingray snuffle puzzle. I got so excited over that. I felt like such a nerd. Joe got home and um, he, his job is essential. So when he got home, I was like, you have to see this. Like you need to come in the door right now. And he's going, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm going to fold this for you. You got to tell me what it looks like. 
And this is just a testament to like the stuff this man goes through living with me. So I was just so ridiculously childlike excited over this. Um, mostly because I was so excited to share it with everyone because I was like, this is so easy, but so cute. And the dogs loved it. So that was nerdily what I was most excited about recently. I think Scott and Joe need to start like a support group because. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. Honestly. (laughs) Similar things going on as well. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the truth? I, I don't know how he does it sometimes, but he's a very good sport. Yeah, I think they have to be really. I mean, I don't know about you, but like I said, like dogs all the time. And I, for somebody who loves, he loves dogs, but now he knows a lot about them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, they're just learning from us, right? Come on. Yeah. yeah. They're little (laughs) protégés, you know, one day. Right. Um, Okay. So what is your most useless talent? Oh, I can wiggle my ears. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can wiggle my ears, but uh, it's like the most useless talent ever. Um, <laughs> it was great when I was a kid, but as an adult, like who wants, like, what? it's not like a party trick you pull out. Uh, if I could do like a backflip, that'd be way better. But this is just pretty useless. <laughs> this is the moment that I, I kind of regret that we're not on video because this, this should be seen. <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse. It's really not that exciting. <laughs> Can it's one of those ones where you're like, it's happening. It's it's happening right now. Can yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And finally, what is the most interesting thing that you've read or seen this week? Oh, this week. Um, Read or seen. I actually was looking at the super cool um, study for an article I'm doing on the blog, and it was talking about the effects of enrichment on senior dogs. And basically what they found was that enrichment activities can actually help with senior dogs and their brain function, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. which I had known a bit about already, but I really wanted to find some individual studies. So when you, I get so nerdy and excited when I find some legitimate studies with cool findings like that. Um, And basically it just had such a cool effect on the cognitive function in these senior dogs. And the reason I was so excited about this is because I love seeing senior dogs using enrichment and my parents have a senior dog. She's a rescue. She's gotta be at least 16. She's blind, pretty toothless. She's, she's she's doing so well, but she's just obviously old, right? Like she's yeah. just got um, that kind of stuff going for her right now. But my parents, when she was like not really eating out of her bowl, so I had been like, why don't you use the towel puzzles? Like, <laughs> just come on, <laughs> right? Like I'm, use me to your advantage, mom, come on. Yeah. And uh, the next day she had sent me a video of Juno, which is their dog. And she has since been eating all of her meals with no problems out of the towel puzzles. And I love seeing that makes me super stoked, especially with Juno, because she's obviously old and has a bunch of health issues, but to see her thrive through something so small, like the enrichment activities, it, it's really what Vinny's bucket list is truly all about, right? Giving this information to people so that they can incorporate it into their daily lives and 
when it comes to seniors, I think most people think, oh, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I'm like, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can. And it's not, and it's so beneficial for them. So this study was super cool. I'm going to be posting it up on the blog um, pretty soon, probably next week yeah. um, with an article on that. But that was definitely the coolest piece of information I've, I've read this week. Yeah, no, I love telling clients because they'll, you know, the kind of classic scenario where they have a puppy and they have an older dog and then, you know, they'll, they'll be doing the stuff for the puppy and it's like, have you tried with, with your other dog? You know, have you seen, and they're like, oh, are they, you know, aren't they a little old? And it's like, no, definitely, definitely not. I mean, I've even worked with, um, kind of like fear reactive dogs who are 10, 11, 12, and people, it's almost like a challenge where they're like, you know, what can you, can you do anything for this? And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, we yeah. definitely can. And introducing enrichment to dogs who have never really had enrichment activities. And you hear, you know, the feedback is always, he just seems, you know, like really into it. And I can't believe he, you know, just shredded that thing. And it's like, this dog has lived its life and hasn't been able to shred a toy without getting in trouble. Like amazing, you know, but yeah, this is like the best day of his life. Yeah. He's like, really, really? Can I, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> exactly. It's just something like that. I love seeing senior dogs or dogs that people deem like any kind of dog that people are like, Oh, well, I don't know if they can do that. And I'm like nine times out of 10, they will. And they can like dogs are very, very, perseverant right yeah um they can and also it's kind of sad that people think like a dog is beyond the point at like four <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like well he's four he doesn't and I'm like no Nero's nine he just turned nine and he always people always think he's so much younger and I credit that to you know a good lifestyle, a good, you know, kind of enrichment and, you know, it keeps him young. It keeps him engaged in things. And yeah. it's just, it keeps your old dog young. Like, why wouldn't you do it? Exactly. I completely agree. So I love, that's one of the, my favorite things I love seeing is people incorporating those kind of activities with, um, senior dogs or dogs with disabilities or dogs that are fearful, like you said, or nervous. Yeah. And most people would be like, you know what, they probably, this is going to not be great for them when in fact it can be the complete opposite. So oh, yeah. stuff like that to me just gets me super excited. Oh no, that's good. Well, I look forward to, to reading that blog. It's quite interesting. Yeah. That you found that, that information. And it, I think more, again, kind of getting the message out there on these kind of things is, is super important because somebody would read that and go, oh, never really thought about, you know, or my old dog. I mean, Nero sleeps all the time. Like he sleep is probably his like third favorite activity <laughs> in life besides like, you know, eating and playing. But um, I would, you know, traditionally you would think like, oh, he sleeps a lot. Like my dog's old or whatever. But I mean, when he's up and he's working on his enrichment, he is like, he's into it and he's doing it. I mean, he, he bats a, a Kong classic, like no one. He yeah. is, he is <laughs> in it for the, you know, the time that he's doing it. And it's stuff I've seen him do things. I remember one time I was working at my desk and he, Lycan went outside um, and then Nero snuck into Lycan's room and Lycan had had a, a Kong. And I guess there was a little bit left in it because Nero started playing with it. And I've never seen him, I've seen him do lots of things. Like obviously throughout his life, you know, he's he's engaged in, in a Kong classic so many times, but it, it accidentally fell on the window ledge. And then he kind of looked at it and then kind of nudged it a little bit, then nudged it again and it fell down and food fell out. 
And then he put that Kong back up on the ledge. And I've never seen him do that. And this was only maybe a few months ago. And I'm sitting problem solving. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm just like, oh, I was so excited. I was so excited. I was like, oh, I couldn't wait to like tell Scott. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, right? They're learning. Yeah. He was like, I was like, you don't understand. I've never seen him do this. And like, he never would have experienced that. I mean, if he not snuck into the room as well, yeah. but, you know, he, he had that drive to go in there and then he, he, it just clicked for him. He just went, oh, that worked. I'll do that again. Um, and it was so, it was so sweet for me to watch that him just engaging in, in a way that he'd never engaged before. That's awesome. I love seeing stuff like that. It's just, you watch your brain, the dog's brain, like the cogs all mesh together, right? It's just like, you see them and you're like watching them as their brains are physically figuring it out. And it's just way too cool. Yeah. The best enrichment I think for people is dog enrichment. <laughs> yeah. Enrichment just as relaxing for us, right? <laughs> I love it. I get to, like I said, about the sniffing and like, you know, when Nero's playing with his, if he has a Kong and he's playing with it, I, I watch them. I watch them shred stuff. I watch all of their activities and, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm doing other stuff and I kind of look up or whatever, but I just, I, I find it so, so nice. It's such a fun activity for me to, who needs Netflix anyway? Like, <laughs> just give a dog a cardboard box. <laughs> I know, honestly, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that some of the activities they do are just, I think because everyone in the room is calm, that it's just, it's one of those things that it's just an activity where everyone just gets to do like a sigh of relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, like if you're watching something, we often do that where we'll set Lycan up with something. If he's if he's looking for attention or he's looking for something, that engagement factor. And we have to we have to compromise in that situation. It's like, great, okay, you're looking for something to do. We're trying to do something. How about we give you something that's worth doing? And then we can do the thing that we want to do. Exactly. <laughs> nine, nine times out of ten, he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This will work for me. Yeah, but you hear about so many people where it's like the dog was bothering me or the dog wouldn't start barking or, you know, the dog kept bringing a toy over to me while I was trying to watch a movie. And it's like, but your dog wants, your dog wants something. That's communication where your dog's saying, I'm bored or I want this, like, you know, and then fill that with an activity. Like that's a perfect cue for you to go, right. Okay. I got something. Let me go grab it. Here you go. Oh, you like it. Great. Okay. I can do what I need to do. Exactly. And I think people sometimes forget that we are so lucky that we have the ability to have multiple outlets when we're bored. Like, could you imagine what, like what it would feel like to be that bored, like to have no outlets for yourself. So doing, giving our dogs outlets is just one of the best things we can do for their mental state and for their behavior. Because I know if I had no outlets, especially given the time we're living in right now, I would go a little squirrely myself. So having different outlet options is awesome. And you see almost immediate um, behavior results with them. Yeah. It's almost like they saw a relief too. You know, it's like, oh, thank God I have something to do now. You know, no, exactly. no, nobody likes getting upset with their dog. And the dog obviously isn't, isn't pleased that, you know, they're human and they can't communicate it. So, you know, we're just going based on what they present to us. And if, you know, you get the ball 500 times dropped in your lap and you're like, oh, for, you know, it's like, 
take the hint, human. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Light bulb moment, something's going on. Your dog's not trying to be annoying. They're just trying to say, I would like, yeah, I would like to do something, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so, so much for joining me. It's been an awesome, awesome chat. And I hope that um, you have enjoyed it too. Um, oh, no, thank you so much. I so appreciate you having me. And it's been great to chat. Um, yeah, I'm, it's always such a pleasure to talk to anyone who has clearly such a um, love and passion for dogs and enrichment. And it's just so refreshing for me to hear. So I'm, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Can you just um, let everyone know where they can find you if they don't already? Absolutely. So uh, we do have our AM, which is Bindi's Bucket List. We also have our website, which is www.bindisbucketlist.com. And we are also on Facebook and TikTok under the same, all of our socials are Bindi's Bucket List. So if you have any questions or you're looking for anything specific when it comes to enrichment, please never hesitate to shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. We have a contact page on our website as well. Whichever way you see fit, just let me know. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Yeah, and you never know. It might actually show up on the page as inspiration as well. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, of course. And we love being sent um, inspiration or if you want to see something specific, please let us know. Um, if we mirror someone's um, creations. We always tag you in it. If it's something that we saw you create, we'll share it to our page. We love sharing everyone's ideas. Most of the ideas in our stories are all from other people. We love sharing your direct videos. So feel free to tag us in them and we love to share them on our page. Right, Taylor. Again, it's been awesome chatting to you and I hope to have you again on the podcast in, in the future. And maybe we'll, you know, when you when you do kind of branch out a little bit more, we can we can definitely talk about those topics because I think they're going to be really, really interesting. Absolutely. I totally agree. And thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me here at the Dog Logical Podcast. I hope that you had a great time listening to this episode and learned a little bit along the way. Don't forget, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review. Thanks again, guys, and see you next time.